You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome back. Welcome to a new week. I'm so glad that you're here and that you are tuning in. Um, And if this is the first time that you are listening to the show, welcome. I'm so glad that you found me in the show and are going to be diving deep into all the amazing past guests that we've had on in these three seasons. And this week is no exception. I am speaking with a truly enlightened soul, um, a beautiful person inside and out. His name is Ben Mikulski. He was former Mr. Canada, professional bodybuilder. Now he hosts the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, which talks all about mindfulness-based muscle training and how that can really make you a healthier, happier person from the inside out. So it's really transforming the world, especially in the fitness world, which I think for a lot of people is just focused on the body alone. And he is changing that uh, dynamic completely. Um, and I ask him a lot about you know his theories on mindfulness and, and how we can all get there and how we can incorporate it into our normal busy lives, because I think that's really you know why you're tuning into this show, is, is to have practical takeaways that you can then run with to make your life better. And he delivers completely. So whether you're a parent or not, whether you're trying to get in shape or not, there are things that Ben shares in this interview that are going to make you better, make you happier, make you wake up with more gratitude in your life. And uh, you know, during this interview, I was really just fired up. And I love, love, love talking to people like that because I feel like they bring the light uh, where there is darkness. And he absolutely does that. So I hope you love this episode as much as I did recording it and then editing it. It's just... There's a lot of gold in this episode for you to to walk away with. Um, So if you do love this episode, please share it with some friends. Uh, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, I love it when you share it to your Instagram stories. So enjoy my episode with Ben Pakulski. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is my line of organic USA-grown hemp that was specifically designed to help you, the listener, battle stress and anxiety naturally. And how does CBD work? Well, it works on your body's own endocannabinoid system. And when that system is working and in balance, it's affecting every other system in your body. So that means you're going to be sleeping better. You're going to be feeling less anxious. You're going to be feeling less depressed. You're going to experience less pain. All of those things are going to be running better than they were before because you're supplementing with phytocannabinoids to your own endocannabinoid supply. It's it's an amazing scientific fact and more science and research is coming out daily. I'm reading it all for you. Um, So if you are looking for an incredible product, you can go to motherhoodunstressed.com and use the code Buckhead to save. Thanks guys. Well, hello, Ben. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. And, you know, as we were saying before, it's kind of an interesting pairing, the two of us. But I think that there's a lot of similarities in the work that we do and the value that we bring. Um, So I'm really excited to speak with you. Thank you for being here. Liz, thank you for having me. And I'll say to your listeners, do not go Google me and look at pictures because you will absolutely judge me. I really don't want them to do that. (laughs) No, you should. Women, you absolutely should. Um, (laughs) But diving right in, tell us about the spark that happened in your life that kind of set you on this path. Was it an aha moment or was it a series of events that led you to the work that you're doing now, this powerful, meaningful work? Well, I think it's always a series of events, but you know, it's funny, I'm getting goosebumps when you say the spark and, and it literally was that for me, right? And, and it kind of fits with your demographic. It was when I had my children, it was, um, you know, I was very uh, driven. I was very focused to be uh, the world's greatest professional bodybuilder. And that's all I wanted to do. And I, t- I took all these amazing uh, characteristics that I had uh, from growing up and I applied them to this one thing. And 
you know, I was, I was literally committed to being the best bodybuilder in the world and I would have stopped at nothing. And, um, you know, for those of you that place judgment on bodybuilders, you're probably correct, right? Like I was certainly doing things I shouldn't have been doing. I was certainly, um, maybe not kind to everybody. I don't think I was ever mean, but I certainly was very selfish. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife got pregnant and my life changed. You know, the second my son was born in 2012, I just didn't have the ability to be the same person. And then my daughter was born in 2013. And so I always say my son was kind of the nudge and my daughter was the nail in the coffin. It's like, I literally just couldn't go home and hold this angel and be this kind, loving uh, dad and go back to the gym and be the same person I was. And, you know, that for me was, um, you know, kind of the, like I said, the nail in the coffin for the, my bodybuilding career. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. And, you know, there's a lot of things along the way that kind of led to that awakening, but um, that was certainly the end of it for me. It just had no desire to be the same person. Couldn't go back to the gym. I had no more purpose uh, as far as pursuing bodybuilding and to be the best in the world is something you need absolute clarity and absolute purpose. And I just couldn't find it anymore. So you start realizing that, there's bigger things in life. And, um, you know, I had a lot of pain around my physique and not physical pain, but a lot of psychological pain around my physique and around my past. And having my children really allowed me to stop having to mask it by being a bodybuilder and stop having to build that armor and start paying attention to why am I doing this to myself? Mm -hmm. You know, why am I punishing myself every day and, and not loving myself? And why do I feel like I have to become this person with this massive armor when in reality, it, it, none of that is necessary. And, and I had this beautiful awareness in 2012, ironically, same year my son was born, where I got to step, step on the Mr. Olympia stage, which for the listeners that don't understand, that's the biggest show in the world. It's you know, effectively the, uh, the Super Bowl of, of bodybuilding. And I got to walk on that stage, which is my life dream. And uh, I was so grateful to be there. And I loved every moment of it. But I also realized that it didn't change the person that I was. I was still the same unhappy, unsatisfied, um, ultimately insecure man that I was when I started. And uh, that realization was big for me, right? So many people have this aspiration to uh, achieve, whether it be money or significance or something, and they're always chasing something outside of themselves to achieve internal fulfillment or acceptance. And I, I got to climb my mountain, right? I ascended my mountain, I got to the goal, and I was very blessed to do it very young and realize like, wow, this isn't what I need. This isn't what I want. The journey now is within. And both, you know, standing on that stage and my son and daughter being born were kind of, as you say, the spark for that. That's incredible. And I think most people who would find themselves in that situation would get depressed or dive into the next project or the next mountain to climb. Was it, do you think it was because of your children, your son being born, that you were able to kind of step outside of yourself and focus on something else? Or had something else been brewing for a long time? Um, I think a lot of things. Um, so certainly my children being born created the awareness in my mind that I could no longer be dependent on sponsorships. So as a pro athlete, I had sponsorships and it was great. And, uh, you know, I made enough money certainly to be comfortable myself. But when now you're uh, taking care of other human beings, you need to have a bit of a nest egg, you need to be secure. And the thing with sponsorships is, as much as it sounds glamorous, it's also very volatile, right? If, they, if if you do poorly in one show, or you do something wrong, or they get angry with you, or the business goes under, you're done, right? You, they, they pull your contract, and, and you have nothing. So I needed a little more stability in my life. That was certainly a big thing. Um, and, and that maybe was, was um, 
a big part of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's maybe the simplest way to, to start understanding my, my beginning of my shift. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you call yourself, what's the term, the bodybuilding yogi. Um, so when you're making this transition out of bodybuilding, you're finding a new path. Did you know kind of where to go and what to do? I mean, you had this platform, you had this success. Um, how did you know how to navigate that and where to, what to do next? I didn't. I had no idea. Uh, it was just this idea that I knew that my journey was to work on myself. It was an internal journey. It wasn't an external journey. And uh, it was, you know, the only path to happiness in my eyes is um, self-mastery. And I don't think you know, everyone everyone's pursuing, um, you know, something outside of themselves in life. Is, right? Everyone wants to have the material goods. Everyone wants to have, you know, the big bank account or the nice car. And, you know, my nice car, my bank account was my body. And I achieved it and realized it was nothing for me. So mm-hmm. I, the only thing I knew was all of my time that I had um, now created by not having to be in the gym five and six hours a day was to be invested in myself. It was to be invested in exploring my thoughts, exploring what I thought to be true about life. So my beliefs, exploring my identity and and really important to parents, I think is exploring, um, you know, the story you tell yourself about your childhood. And, and I say this story because um, you know, having have children now, what is actual reality may not be what your belief is or what your perception of it is, right? So I could say something to my children now and I may mean one thing and based on their set of circumstances and how they interpret it, they could take it to mean something completely different. So my children are literally my angels for having taught me that because I have a a certain particular story about how my childhood went and now I realize that none of that is reality. It's just mm. the way I needed to interpret it at that time. So I chose to get angry about things as a child, or I th- chose to be lonely. And I probably played a pretty big role in that stuff. And I didn't realize at the time, I just played this victim of like, oh, you know, my parents weren't there. And I was by myself from the time I was seven years old. And you know, that's the story I told myself. Mm-hmm. But now I realize, well, having had children, it's absolutely not true. It's what I created, and I was certainly the manifester of that reality. And uh, being able to kind of go back and look at that a little bit more objectively and realize that I played a role in it allowed me to no longer be the victim and now have a sense of empowerment over, hey, like I created that. I needed that to grow. I needed that to make me the man that I am. And now I can, instead of being a victim in life in anything, take complete responsibility. So there's so many things that allowed me to kind of go back and just reflect on life and, and the person that made me who I am or, or the events that made me the person that I am and, uh, you know, start to make a shift. That's incredible. And I love how you said, you know, you're moving from a victim mentality to an empowered mentality. I think that that, if you can do anything in your life, that is such a game changer. And Step that's something one. like I'm actively learning that right now. Like it's, it's like for me, a never ending process, you know, I'm constantly having to reset and shift back because I think my tendency and I know a lot of women listening to this is to be resentful to be the martyr to be you know it's everyone else's fault but mine and I'm doing everything for everyone and you know this is just my life and it's not true it's not true it is so important the stories that we tell ourselves so I love that you said that um and you know for for the woman listening who wants to move into a more empowered state, you know, you said change the story. What are some other things that she can do to do that? Because it is possible. And I don't think it has to take that long to do it. 
No, I think the most important thing is starting to pay attention to the words you use, right? So in anything you do, you have to take an attitude of gratitude and I get to attitude, right? So removing things like I have to, I can't, I, I you know, I think things that are giving away your power. I talk to my kids about that all the time. It's like, I don't have to do anything. I get to do it, right? I, I can't yet, Right. And just start paying attention to where you use those victim phrases. And we are all guilty of it. And I always make sure that I catch my children on it. And, you know, it it seems like logic. But at the same time, when you start to really meticulously pay attention to it, you'd be surprised how often we use those victim words. You know, I have to go to the gym. I have to go to the grocery. I have to fix my car. I have to do this around the house. You don't have to do anything. Right. Ultimately, we're so blessed to be able to wake up in the morning and exercise, to be able to wake up in the morning and smile and look at our beautiful children and our families and our, our free life. Like, you know, I start every day with three minutes of gratitude so I can go through starting in concentric circles with the things that are closest to me. I start with my children and my, my family and my business and my team and then my home and my body and my country and literally just going through all these amazing, and it could be something as simple as I'm so grateful for my eyes. I'm so grateful for my legs. I'm so grateful for my, uh, my ability to see and, and hear and think. And so grateful for the way that I think I'm so grateful for my past because it allowed me to think the way that I do. And, you know, all these things that you're great, that you could be grateful for, but yet we find ways to um, maybe resent and be angry toward it. And you start creating these circles and you start, your brain starts looking for things to be grateful for. You're training your brain, so evolutionarily, it kept us alive to see the negative thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if I met you a couple thousand years ago, I'm, I'm literally scanning you to go, what's this person trying to do to hurt me? And that's probably built into our psyche. And now we have an opportunity to live in a world that's free and safe. And like, okay, it's great to have that voice in the back of your head that says, what should I be looking out for here? But in reality, it's not serving you, right? And I teach my kids this. I'm like, hey, is that negative default serving you? Well, no, let's look for three things we can be grateful for in this moment to improve our life right now. And I'm literally training my brain 24 hours a day. You know, if I get a speeding ticket on the way to work this morning, how many things can I possibly be grateful for? People go, what do you mean? How can you be grateful about that? I'm like, well, I have a car. I'm still alive. There's a police officer that's keeping me safe because there could be some other person on the road who's driving exponentially faster. There's three things I was grateful for in three seconds. Mm -hmm. And it shifts my brain from being angry to being grateful. And and that, you know, the neurochemical cascade, the decrease in stress, that, you know, training joy and happiness into your mind, it's always right there in front of you. But you have to overcome the habit of negative self-talk. How long do you think, I know this is such a a subjective answer, how long do you think retraining your brain um, and, and, you know, establishing new neural pathways, how long does that typically take for I suggest to all my clients, you commit 100% to 30 days. And if you can do that, to commit to doing three minutes of gratitude in the morning, one minute of gratitude before every meal and three minutes of gratitude before bed, you change your, your life. So why, you know, your eyes kind of lit up when I said before every yeah. meal. Think about what people have done since the beginning of time before we eat. We sit and we, we quote unquote pray, right? So what is that? Well, all that is, is becoming present and becoming grateful for your food rather than being racy and, and being stressed and, and not sitting down and actually calming down. And there's a whole, you know, uh, neuro, no chemical reason for this, right? If you start to understand how the autonomic nervous system works, 
it's so essential before you eat to allow your body to receive this food, right? It's not just about throwing down a bunch of calories. It's actually like, hey, I want my body to use this and absorb this food. So I need to put my body into this particular state to absorb it. And it doesn't have to be 10 minutes. It just can literally be three breaths, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a practice that we implement certainly in my life and in my family is everybody sit down before you breathe and you can close your eyes and keep your eyes open. I don't care, but I want you to do three mindful breaths, which is mindful being I'm paying attention to my body. I'm paying attention to the duration of the exhalation. So my, my exhalation is longer than my inhalation. And in my mind, I'm saying thank you. And I'm saying thank you for this food. I'm saying thank you for these people that I'm sharing it with. I'm saying thank you for my body. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the stars. All these things that are necessary for me to be in this place right now. And literally, you're going to shift so fast. But you have to commit to, I mean, 30 days might even be too long. But I think, you know, or at least it may happen before that. Yeah. But um, I think you have to commit to this. Everyone could do anything for 30 days and you, you create triggers. So a lot of my clients have a hard time. I'll put like actual visual cues around the house. So where's the first place to go in the morning? Bang, you put it there. It's the bathroom mm -hmm. for most people, right? You have, where's the place you spend most of your time in the kitchen? Bang, you put a trigger or cue there. So you always remember like at the kitchen, the dinner table, we have our gratitude uh, cue, our triggers. And you can do that. Your life will change so fast and, and you'll start to just realize how amazing life is. And then your life will become that much more amazing because you'll like, example, you're walking down the road or you walk into a, a, a home or you walk into a party and you see someone who's full of joy and life and you can see how grateful they are and how they just have this kind spirit coming off them. Are you more likely to go to that person or the person? That's being a victim and bitching about everything in their life, right? Mm -hmm. So you just draw people who are more in alignment with your energy. So again, people want to upgrade their life. 30 days, your life is completely different. And again, I'm not the only person in the world talking about this stuff. It's very simple stuff, but it's just a matter of doing it. And, and my one of my mentors, Jim Rohn, if you know Jim Rohn, I suggest to look him up, unfortunately passed away. But uh, he always says, life is simple. It's simple mm -hmm. to do, but it's also simple not to do. Right. And that's just the reality of life. It's not complex. It's, yeah. but it, it certainly takes discipline. Right. And I think you're using something that you've had, you know, fully in your bodybuilding career, that discipline, that commitment to something greater than yourself. Um, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, it might not be easy. It's kind of like your superpower, but at the same time, life is happening to you no matter what. So, so, you so might listen to that choose. story though, right? Like, Again, there's your words. So listen to the story you're telling yourself or you're, you are maybe uh, accepting that for your listeners to say, oh, it's okay because Ben has discipline. No, like you have everything in you that I do and more, right? You have your superpowers as well. And discipline is in there. You just have to train it. It's a muscle. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make a commitment today to do something, even if it's little. And even if I just say, I suggest you dive in head first with the gratitude, right? It's not just, don't just do it once because that makes it harder. Do it those five times a day. It'll shift it. But right, we're, we're just kind of had that, that mindset of like, oh, it's okay if you can't. I don't. I told you that. I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be hard on you. I know. Uh, but I also don't want your listeners to go like, oh, well, he, he's, he's yeah. an exception. He, you know, listen, people think that I was born with something special. And, and I said this on, on the Bulletproof podcast that you mentioned you heard was, you know, I, I grew up with a, what I was told was a learning disability. I had a speech impediment and I come from a family of overweight alcoholics and drug addicts. So you want to talk about people who were, who were not born with an advantage, right? I don't know what it, what it was like to be grateful when I was a child. I didn't eat well. I didn't exercise. I barely went to school, right? So like go through that in your head and go, well, what, what's the story you tell yourself as to why you can't, yeah. right? So that was a story I told myself as to why I can't. Everyone in my family's never done this. Nobody's ever graduated high school. 
right? Why should I? Why should I do any of those things? Well, start. Because if you want to change your life, you can. The reason you can't is the story you tell yourself why you can't. That's the only reason, right? So watch your stories. That's incredible. I didn't know that actually about you. That's, that's amazing. To not have any modeling um, and then to do what you've done is really... Do you want to know what my model was? And, and I have this awareness as early as seven years old. Is I, I looked at my family and I said, oh, well, look at that family across the road. They're very different than me. How come they have the nice cars and the big smiles and the family vacations and you know the big family get-togethers? And I don't have any of that. That became my model. So there's always a model, yeah. right? There's always a model. Sometimes the model is, well, this is not what I want to do. I, this is exactly what I don't want to do. This model over here is what I want to do. If you're seeking for, if you're seeking something, it's there, right? If I want to learn how to make a hundred million dollars, there's a model. I don't care if my dad was yeah. has two pennies to rub together. There's a model, right? In the in the information age we live in, they have access to everything. That's true. I mean, I feel like some of my best mentors are people that I've never met officially. Never met. I listen to them. I read their work. And you're right. It does. It provides a path. Um, but I'm curious, when you were talking about, you know, doing the deep internal work and you're, you're being grateful, you're, you're disciplined in that, do you find that you're able to connect more or read people's energy more, be more in tune with others? Like you walk into a room, like you said, and you feel the energy. Was that a byproduct of all the work that you've been doing? No, you have that ability too, and so does everybody else, but you, not everyone pays attention to it as much. So yes, it is a byproduct of what I was, I'm doing, but all it is is learning to pay attention. So most people are so busy, and I'm going to throw this out there to all the moms and dads listening. You're so busy uh, muting your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So we wake up in the morning and we put on the radio. We are always on Instagram and social media. We're always doing things that prevent us from being alone with our thoughts. Because we all have this story around, I have fear, I have anxiety, my brain gets very racy, I don't wanna to listen to it. Well, the very thing that's holding you back from progressing is that, is sitting alone with those thoughts, sitting alone with those fears, sitting alone with those anxieties, and not necessarily putting a label on anxiety, right? I don't have anxiety, I get anxious, or I get this feeling of elevated energy in my stomach or in my chest, why is that there? It's a trigger. It's a cue to tell me that I need to take action. So I'm teaching my children about pain now or over the last couple of years. And hey, if you touch the stove and you burn your hand, are you getting mad that you have pain? That seems kind of silly, right? Like pain is the signal to say, hey, I don't want to stick my hand on that thing anymore. I learned and I'm grateful for that pain. If I didn't have pain, you know, there's a disease where people can't feel pain. Mm -hmm. They have an average life expectancy of five years. So anxiety to me is amazing. I'm like, good. Why is this here? Like, I, I don't want to feel this anymore. What am I doing wrong? So rather mm -hmm. than being a victim and going, oh, I have anxiety. Yeah. Go, good. I feel this here. Something in my life is out of place. Now let's actually take action on it, right? And that's where people, that, that gap there between the feeling and the action is where people mess up. Mm -hmm. Like you feel this action and they become internalized and crippled and restricted rather than going, good, what can I do to make this better? And I think that's the empowering me mentality rather than the victim mentality, right? Like yeah. I have anxiety, I can't do this. Like It just makes me feel worse. No, you need to do these things. Yep. Like you need to bring those things back up. And, and Jordan Peterson, if you don't know Jordan Peterson is the 12 rules for life in his book is like so, some effect, effectively um, uh, parallel to don't sweep the dragon under the rug, right? And mm -hmm. the dragon is this little thing that 
oh, it's not really a big deal now. I'm just going to, I'm going to deal with it later. And you sweep it under the rug and it happens again. And you're like, oh, I'm going to sweep it under the rug. And eventually that dragon becomes, you know, a full grown dragon and he's going to come bite your butt. So anytime you feel those little things that you know you need to do, you do them and you prevent those anxieties and those fears from developing and living inside of you. Yeah. Because what's the alternative? I mean, disease, cancer, heart attack, yeah. I mean, physical again, manifestations. Oh, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. So I talk about that all the time with my clients is, is people, if you go into a situation that you deem stressful well, and maybe you deem that it's going to give you anxiety, there's the psychological response. And we're all very familiar with that one. But what people don't realize is with every psychological response, there's also a physiological response. So that means for everything that I'm thinking, there's also a system in my body or a default position or, or something that's happening in my body with, with hormones, with muscular tension, with, with the nervous system that's directly correlated. So you can't separate the body and the mind. So if I have a situation that's very psychologically stressful, it's also creating this physiological state. So here's what we do. We walk into the situation and we acknowledge this physiological state. We go, gosh, I'm getting really tense or my chest is really tight or my shoulders come up or I clench my jaw or something, right? Or whatever it happens to be. Good. Acknowledge that. Become mindful of it and then exit the situation. Pay attention to it and realize you can change your physiology in an instant. And if you change the physiology, you start to break the connection between the body and the mind. So now I relax my body. I slow my breath. I relax my muscles and all of a sudden my psychology has changed mm -hmm. because your brain associates this tight physiological feeling with that psychological state. <clears throat> so you have to start to break those two um, uh, connections. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. You know, exactly. he talks about as bad as you can make it, you can also change your way and, and exactly. make it really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just and, brilliant. And it just takes time. Yeah. But you can absolutely do it. And I think the first step to anything is awareness. This is why I've become such an advocate of, of meditation. And, and, you know, bodybuilding, as funny as this may sound to some people, I turned it into something that is meditative, right? So I'm alone. I'm concentrating on my body. I'm internal. And so rather than thinking, I'm feeling. I'm trying to be present in the moment. So I turn all my exercise into this opportunity to improve mindfulness. So I'm meditating in the morning, meditating when I'm doing yoga, I'm meditating in the gym, and I've got all this time to start just paying attention to my body and where's the tension and what is my predisposition? How do I stand and how do I breathe? And I just start to pay attention. I become mindful of it. So now when I see a trigger that's unusual, I go, well, that's weird. Why am I holding tension here? Why does this feel tight? I can release it, first pay attention to it and then I can release it. And oftentimes when you release those things, the psychological stress goes with it. Yeah. Can you, have you ever tried like, if you got a cramp or something during a workout, have you ever mentally tried to release that? You know, like mountain climbers talk every about. Every single time. Wow. I, I, every single time. I almost sometimes use it as a, as an opportunity to learn how to relax. So if I'm sitting, you know, example, this happens almost every time. So Having been a professional bodybuilder in the past, I've been retired for four years. I still get many active professional bodybuilders that want to come out and train with me. So my business now is, is ultimately teaching everyone this mindful approach to fitness and, and this holistic approach to fitness and muscle building. But I still get people who come back and go, hey, man, like you're very good at this. Teach me, teach me your, your ways. So rather than just talking about the ways, I often get back in the gym and train with them. And, you know, my ego then puffs up and says, I have to keep up with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I keep up and then you know, I leave the gym. And, and inevitably, if I train at the level of a professional athlete now, I'm going to be sore and I'm going to cramp, you yeah. know, almost indefinitely. 
But now, rather than getting worried about it and panicking, I actually use it as an opportunity to learn how to relax that. And, and it's funny you brought that up. It's like I'll sit in the car, both my legs in full cramp. I'll just sit there and breathe and, and I'll envision, you know, electrolytes going into my muscle and I'll envision the muscles just relaxing because it's really usually just a magnesium deficiency, but mm-hmm. I'll envision this, this like kind of relaxation of the muscles and I'm getting much better at it because for a long time I suffered, but yeah, it's a funny question you asked. I wouldn't be surprised if more elite athletes started reaching out to you on all different kinds of sports just for that factor alone. Yeah, it happens. Um, mm-hmm. I get a lot of pro sports teams that reach out to come and talk about like mindset stuff, mm-hmm. especially for the young kids, like when I say kids, the young pro athletes. Um, <laughs> well, so realize a young pro athlete, you know, everyone puts these people on a pedestal until they have one injury and then they throw them out with, you know, with, with the trash out the back door. So you have to teach these kids as they come into any league, you know, whether it be baseball, hockey, football, basketball, uh, life skills and, uh, kind of coping skills and to how to be strong people and how to be leaders. And so I've been, I've been requested, requested by many teams to come in and talk to their young cohort of, of rookies and whatnot to you know, really try to get their mind straight and give them the skills and the confidence and um, you know, just whatever skill set they need to kind of make the big jump into the pro ranks. I love that. I mean, and bringing it back to the mother listening to this and, you know, she's probably got younger kids. My son was also born in 2012. Um, So how would you, how would you build their minds, make them more resilient to stress, make them just better respectful people? Because honestly, right now, like I have two boys and they are running me ragged and I feel a little overwhelmed at times. Um, so what would you say? What can I do to help that situation? I think it has to be situational, right? So when you say running ragged, I'd love to know what you mean by that. And we, we can, you can give me de- details on that if you'd like. Um, but so perception is everything, right? It, you know, I, I always, I always say that like, there's no way he's going to do anything that was any worse than I did when I was seven years old. <laughs> well, so literally when I was seven years old, I, w- I was effectively, um, you know, I called myself the lone wolf, right? Like I did everything by myself. I, I took the subway, I took the bus and like at seven years old, I wouldn't let my wow. child do that now. Um, but really it, it's for me, the foundation of everything that I parent around is love. So I need him to know that above all, he is loved, she's loved, and I love them. I love them no matter what they do, no matter what they say. I always say like, I'm on your team and Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what, I'm behind you and I'm here to support you. I will not help you with everything, but I'm here if you need um, support. And I think if you if you come at everything that comes out of your mouth from a foundation of love, you can't go wrong. So the best example, if you haven't read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there's a great example in that book. Dr. Stephen Covey passed away. There's a 15-year-old girl and a mother finds a six-pack of beer in her um, closet. And daughter comes home. Mother's absolutely infuriated, says, you know, what are you doing? You're ruining your life. You're, you know. You could, you know, what typical things that a mother or a father might say who's very fear stricken. Mm-hmm. And then they go to therapists and the therapist says, well, what point were you trying to get across? Well, I don't want them to do that. Well, why don't you want them to do that? Well, because I'm afraid for their health and well-being. Why are you afraid for their health and well-being? Well, because I love them. Well, did your message come across that way? Yeah. Right. So if you ask that question, why am I trying to, what am I trying to convey here? And why do I want to convey this message? It always has to come back to because I just love them. Hmm. So rather than going through all those steps of yelling and getting angry, I just go straight to, Hey, I love you. Was that a good idea? Do you think that made this person feel well? And it always just, like it always comes back to the golden rule, right? Treat everyone the way you want to be treated. But it always, it always starts at the foundation of love and not reacting and uh, realizing that they're coming at the world. 
I always kind of view it in two perspectives. They're coming at the world to establish their hierarchy and see what they can get away with. And that's it, right? They're just like, what, what can I can I do here? I'm, I'm, they're establishing boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, establish your boundaries. And I, th- I think I told you about this in the email. Is like the line in the sand. Establish yeah. your line in the sand. I have a very clear line in the sand with my children, and it's just respect. Respect to me, respect to their mother, respect to to everybody, other people's bodies, other people's properties. If you cross that line in the sand, I'm going to instill the fear of God in you. <laughs> but until that. I'm your best friend and the most calm person in the world. And that's all you just need to know, like where your lines are. And, you know, my kids don't, don't step over the line because they know I, they did it once and then they, I, they heard about it. I've never touched them, of course, but like they knew, <laughs> they knew that, Hey, you don't do this. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. And now they knew I was serious. So rather than having to nag them all the time about the little minutia. Right. That's my life. That's what I was referring to. Like brush your teeth, do your homework. Like, and they're like, no, and running away from me. And I'm like, <laughs> what do I do? But yeah, yeah. So have I you have you read Del Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? A long time ago. Yeah, maybe maybe another one. So it, it takes some some uh, thought to really start to understand why you should make or why you can make them want to do that. That's how it comes down to, right? I'm, I'm the reason I, I know this is because I'm the worst in the world. If you say, "Hey, go do the dishes," I'll walk away. <laughs> <laughs> if you leave the dishes there. I'll walk and do them myself, right? So, like, mm. if you tell me to do something, I'm like, uh-uh. It's just I have this, like, rebel mentality. Same. Like, oh, I hate it. So, I know my kids are probably the same. So, I'm like, like hey, do you think it'd be a good idea if you if you brush your teeth so your teeth don't fall out? And, and sometimes I'll tell them about some health problem that occurs from having your teeth or whatever, <laughs> right? But you're just trying to indoctrinate these, these habits into them that they don't even know what's going on at, like, a lower conscious level. I love that. I, I'm so using that. Thank you. No, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've covered so much ground. I mean, it's just, it's been amazing. Do you have a big takeaway that you want to leave the listener with today now that you know who she is? Um, gosh, I have endless takeaways. So what I teach now is I teach people how to use exercise to become more present and mindful because we don't always have time to meditate and people say, Oh, you know, I don't have time to meditate or I don't want to meditate or I can't meditate. My statement is always, if you can't, you must, if you can't meditate, Mm -hmm. probably means you need it more. Um, but most people, uh, probably your demographic exercises at some level, maybe it's just walking, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's Pilates, maybe it's weight training, maybe it's cardio. Use that as an opportunity to become mindful, to become more present in your body. So rather than numbing out with music or uh, you know, get, taking that have-to attitude, I have to go work out, first of all, say thank you, I get to. Be grateful while you're doing it. And then use that time to become almost like a meditative experience, to become more present and more mindful. So how do we do that? breath, right? So slowing down your breath. If you have a breath that's very, very inhale dominant, you're going to have a racing mind. It's an impossibility to not. So most people have a really deep inhale and a short exhale. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, you're going to have a racing mind. It's almost impossible to not have a racing mind if that's your breath cadence. Now, so my intention then is no matter what I'm doing is to have an extended exhalation and, and it has to be through your nose and it has to be with your diaphragm. So rather than breathing up into your, into your chest, we're breathing down here into our tummy. And if you can do that, whether you're walking, yoga, Pilates, whatever, uh, with your children, breathing into your diaphragm for a count of ideally six to eight seconds on the exhalation. So a suggestion for people, you can, you can start with what's called a 4-4 box breath, which is mm-hmm. a four-second inhale, four-second hold, four-second exhale, four-second hold, so like the shape of a box, and then progressing your way to a four-second inhale and an eight-second exhale 
um, will massively extend your ability to be calm and enjoy the the event, right? So many people dread exercise, but you don't actually dread exercise. What you dread is the psychological state that you're creating during exercise. So we can create this beautiful, joyful bliss state if we just learn to control our breath and obviously our, our thoughts and our gratitude and stuff, tying those things together. We create that psychological association, uh, but it's it's so easy to do if you start paying attention to it. The trick is paying attention. So how do we start, right? It's like, hey, I'm not going to turn the music on in the car. I'm not even going to listen to a podcast. I'm not going to go and watch television while I do cardio just so I can get it done. Mm-hmm. No, that's the worst attitude. You have to appreciate that time. Like if you had an hour to meditate and you knew you could leave that meditation with having done your exercise and having a brain that's significantly upgraded, this is your greatest opportunity in the day to change your life. Smile, say thank you, and go to it and enjoy it. And just really focusing on that breath will absolutely shift your life for everybody, regardless of what your story is as to why you can't or shouldn't meditate. Yeah, that's really true. And I think too, to going back to modeling, your children are watching that transformation. You're, they're feeling your energy. Your partner's feeling it and benefiting it from, from you doing the dishes and just walking through the house in an altered state, a higher state. Here's a great takeaway for your, your moms. So one thing I've started doing with my children when they were one and two years old was when they first woke up in the morning before they did anything, I would go sit down on the, on the carpet and I would sit them in my lap um, facing away from me. So they're, you know, their back is against my chest and we would breathe and wow. we would, we would do five to 10 breaths. I would call it five breaths, but until they kind of settled in, the breaths didn't really start. And, and you really like, if they do two a day, mm-hmm. you're, you're winning. Right. But it's teaching them this ability to just consciously breathe that's a superpower. So when your child is, 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 you know, acting out and acting crazy to give them the cue, Hey son, go over there and do five breaths rather than, you know, I'm going to Hulk smash on your head. (laughs) Go over there and do five breaths. They have no choice, but to come out of that uh, anxious elevated state to sit down and do five extended breaths because I've already taught them the skill. So if you go, hey, go breathe when, when you're angry or there, and the likelihood of happening is zero. But if you teach them that skill in advance, just by literally sitting with them in your lap, you create this beautiful bonding time. And the reason it's important that they're in your lap is because now they can, they can feel your chest, your tummy rise and fall into their back. And what will happen over time, if you do it long enough, your breath will sink. Mm-hmm. Your heart rates will sink if you sit there long enough. And that's a beautiful way to connect. They feel more connected with you. They now know I'm loved, I'm, I'm protected. And now I have this internal coping mechanism when something stressful comes up because it's going to come up for you and for them, right? Mm-hmm. So now for the rest of their life, they're empowered to know, hey, if I just breathe, I can deal with this. And gosh, I think if everyone taught their children that, if everyone taught themselves that, the world would be a better place. Oh, 1000%. How did you know how to do that when they were one or two? I mean, I was pulling my hair out when they were that young. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Just I, I read a lot. I'm blessed to have some great teachers. Um, yeah, That's I'm kind amazing. Of yeah, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to this stuff. And, and maybe it was just something I think I'd probably heard. Um, I don't remember where it was from. If I, So if you and I are sitting in a room long enough together, and we have some connection, our heart rate will become in sync and our breathing rate will become in sync. So my mind extrapolated like, Hey, if I do this with my kids, mm-hmm. like I will feel it together and they can feel my calmness and they can feel yeah. my groundedness and they will benefit from that. And that may be where the extrapolation came from. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, so I do have some rapid fire questions for you. If you're ready. I'm ready. I don't know if I can handle it, but I'll try. <laughs> 
true strength is? Equanimity. Um, so equanimity is, is one of my, my most favorite uh, words and it resonates with my heart. And it means, um, to me, it means peace. It means um, tranquility. It means um, undisturbed balance. I love it. I'm grateful for Gosh, I, I hear that word and I say everything. And that sounds mm-hmm. like a cop-out, but I'm grateful mm-hmm. to see my children every morning. I'm grateful to wake up in the morning. I'm grateful for my breath. I'm grateful for the sun. I'm grateful for my legs. I'm grateful for my muscles. I'm grateful for everyone who cares to listen to us talk. I mean, it, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, it, it sounds maybe like I'm embellishing, but it, it's this feeling you get, it. you know, that's almost like overwhelming in your body. And you wake up every morning and you create that feeling. It's not a psychological thing. It's not just a thought. It's actually an emotion. And it, it can be absolutely overwhelming. And if you can create it at will, because you've practiced it so much, you're in control of creating that at any time in your life. And so that is my answer. I love it. I'm, and I'm going to insert, like, I, I really feel like it's a connection to the divine, to the source, to everything and everyone. I agree. Um, yeah. So last one, what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? The list is long. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the one thing that my mother told me, and I wasn't all that close to my mother growing up, but the one thing she did say that I'm so grateful for is, Ben, you can do anything. If any Anyone in the world can do it, you can do it. And that was the one thing that I am grateful for. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and the one thing that I wish I knew uh, was obstacles shouldn't be a deterrent. Obstacles should actually be a signal to walk toward them. So obstacles are the greatest opportunity for growth. And I wish somebody had said when I'm a child, like, and I do this with my kids, is, you know, we see things that are hard and our brain goes, oh, I don't want to do that. That's bad. And I wish I had developed a uh, seeking mentality earlier in my life to where when I saw something that was hard, I had the desire to uh, pursue it, attack it, overcome it. Because, I mean, that's ultimately the key to growth, right? And so if there's something standing in front of you that looks like it's hard, that looks like an obstacle, that's the way, right? And there's a great book called The Obstacle is the Way. And it's, it's, it's um, Ryan Holiday talking about Marcus Aurelius' uh, teachings. And it's like when there is something hard, it's hard. It's not hard because it's hard. It's hard because you're not good at it. And I say that to my kids all the time is nothing in the world is hard. Nothing is hard, really. Like if there's somebody out there who this is easy for, the only difference between you and them is they've practiced more than you. So nothing is in the world is hard. You just haven't practiced enough yet. I love that. Such a beautiful, like so many gifts for the audience today. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. I'm throwing out all the one-liners. <laughs> no, I mean, it's great though. I mean, it's, it's so powerful and people can remember those one-liners and then take them and use them. Like that to me is really effective and you're keeping it simple. Awesome. Um, yeah. So how can the audience find you online, um, potentially work with you, see you speak, all the things. Tell us. People tend to find me through uh, Instagram. So BPAC Fitness, B-P-A-K Fitness. So um, that's typically where people find me. If you're interested in, in coaching and muscle stuff, uh, Muscle Intelligence is my website, Muscle Intelligence Podcast. And so until 2016, I was the guy teaching everyone muscle building and it's, it's, I'm carrying that with me and I still teach muscle building at some level, but now I'm really teaching this mindful approach to uh, exercise and to living your greatest life. And that's really my, my new mission. And I'm just carrying the muscle moniker with me because it's what people know me for. But if you listen to my podcast, it's 
probably some more similar to yours than anything. It, it's really um, you know, holistic. It's very wellness based. It's very. I mean, we still talk a lot about muscle a lot because I think most people should have uh, the some desire to build muscle. Um, but it's really just based around you know how do you be healthy, you know lean, healthy, muscular kind of thing, right? So yeah. that's a good place to find me as well. I love it. And I love that, you know, what gets people through the door to hear your beautiful message is your body and is, you know, what you've built over the years. And then you get in there and it's like, oh, so much more. It's so oh, good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Life I appreciate changing. That. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. So grateful for you, for you and thank you for what you do. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you love this episode, please share it with at least one friend. Tag us on your Instagram stories. That's a great way to support the show. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you never miss out on a morning meditation or on an interview with an incredible person doing incredible work in the world. Um, And if you haven't already, um, please hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts because it really does... Uh, boost the show's rating and just it gets the message out to more and more listeners so thank you